Listener Production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. And welcome back to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath. Today I'm talking to Katerina Georgie, who is the CEO of the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. Katerina joined me today and we talked about the importance of zero alcohol during pregnancy and breastfeeding and more importantly, when you're trying to have a baby. Kat, so great to talk to you. And, you know, within the community, I'm aware and, you know, uh, have been for a long time that a lot of women say one drink is okay during pregnancy. What is the evidence that you have now? So what we know, Kath, is that the best advice is that no alcohol should be consumed during pregnancy. And that's because there is no known safe level of alcohol use. So it's really important that we don't reinforce those messages about having one or two or some early or later in the pregnancy because they just don't reflect the evidence. Mm. So are we talking about even when women are thinking about trying to have a baby? Yeah, this is the message that we've provided through the Every Moment Matters campaign. It's that the moment that you start trying is the moment to stop drinking alcohol. And that's because most people aren't aware of the exact moment that they fall pregnant. And so much of that important development happens really, really early on in a pregnancy. So it's really important that people think about this as soon as they start planning. I was just saying to Beth that, you know, women my age, we we never found out that we were pregnant till about 12 weeks, you know, and, you know, the culture around drinking was, you know, very high. Um, um, but now, you know, with the, with the uh, pregnancy tests, women find out very early that they are pregnant, which is great, especially with this, um, what, what, what we're talking about today with, um, you know, the alcohol and, and pregnancy. So what's the science behind why drinking can put a fetus at risk? Yeah, well, Kath, alcohol is a teratogen, which means that it can cause birth defects. And so we've known that for quite some time. And what can happen is that alcohol can increase the risk of miscarriage. It can increase the risk of stillbirth or having a low birth weight child and also increase the risk of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or FASD, which is a lifelong disability, which results in a range of different challenges for a child throughout their life. So um, what are they, like I know with the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, can you explain that a bit more and the um, challenges that, you know, these, um, these babies can um, go through during their life? Absolutely. So there's not a great awareness of what FASD is in the community, but FASD is a spectrum and it involves a range of emotional, physical uh, and developmental and behavioural challenges. So it could be that someone might have difficulties in engaging in social um, engagement with people. It could be that they have learning difficulties. Uh, It could be that they have challenges in following rules or understanding different structures or settings. 
Uh, and also for some children with FASD, there might be some facial abnormalities as well. So there are a range of different conditions that can result from FASD. And that happens um, throughout their life because, as I said, that this disability is lifelong and it does result from the impairment in the brain or damage to the brain. So they may look and be normal at birth, but once school or kinder or school continues that's or starts, that's when they're going to have these challenges. Yeah, so they often learn about this um, throughout school. Some people never learn about it, so they always just struggle to learn or always feel like they're behind and just never understand why. We've certainly known lots of people who've started to be diagnosed later on in life, um, like in their 30s. Uh, and for people who receive this diagnosis, it's, it's we've heard from some of them that it's quite a relief because they then understand how their brain works, why their brain works in that way, and they can get the supports that they need. Um, But that's why it's really important that we try to do all we can to try and prevent FASD uh, during that pregnancy phase by providing this really important message. And how is it it diagnosed? Yeah, so there there is uh, diagnostic clinics that now exist across the country, but usually what happens is someone is referred to a paediatrician Uh, And then a multidisciplinary team diagnoses FASD because it usually involves a speech pathologist, a physiotherapist, a range of different health professionals who assess um, a child with FASD. So the diagnostic process can be quite lengthy, um, but also a lot of people are misdiagnosed with other conditions like ADHD because one of the things that they need to have an awareness of is whether there was alcohol use during pregnancy. And sometimes that's really difficult to ascertain. And I can imagine the guilt women must have if, you know, they have had alcohol during their pregnancy and then having a child affected for life, obviously. Yeah, I think this is why it's really important when we're sharing these messages, like any messages around pregnancy, that we speak about them um, in a really, in a way that doesn't create stigma. Like it's, it's really clear that there are lots of mixed messages around alcohol in the community. Um, and, you know, you mentioned some of those at the beginning of this conversation. And so it's really important that when we're talking about this, we're talking about making sure that people have supports. There are lots of reasons why people find it hard to cut back on drinking and there are lots of people who need additional help. Um, and so what we need to do is provide a, a really supportive environment for women to be able to go alcohol-free during pregnancies and we can all play a role in that. Um, so even one to two drinks a week, not acceptable? Well, there's no known safe level. So we just don't know what a safe level is and that's why the recommendation from the NHMRC or the National Health and Medical Research Council is to have zero. We know that if you have zero alcoholic drinks during pregnancy, then there's zero risk of FASD and that's what we'd really like to see. So it's really important that people avoid alcohol altogether. What about conceiving? Or do you say even before you start trying to have a baby? It's once you start trying to have a baby, there's there's some evidence that alcohol can affect fertilisation as well. Um, so it's really important that, you know, to have the best chance of conceiving, then not drinking helps with that as well. Um, so, yeah, the message is really around once you start trying to stop drinking alcohol. And I think, like, the, the community is very, like, women, I understand, even with changing foods that women can't have 
during pregnancy, uh, you know, like soft cheeses and, you know, different sort of meats. They are very, very good. They're very compliant. But I haven't heard a lot of information about alcohol in pregnancy. I mean, we've already always known that, but I think it's really good to have these clear messages that, you know, prior to conceiving, that's when uh, women should stop drinking. And anything about the partner? I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but, you know, is there? No, it's a really good question. Um, you know, so there's some emerging evidence that it affects uh, the partner's fertility. Um, and so, again, for the best chance of conceiving, then it's best to avoid alcohol, but also what the partner does um, when a partner is involved in um, a pregnancy is really important. So if that person is having drinks or encouraging you to have drinks, then that impacts on the person who's pregnant. And we know that they're a big influencer in the decisions that a woman makes. Uh, so there are supporting roles that a partner can play. And I've actually got some neighbours who are um, pregnant at the moment and both of them have given up alcohol to support each other. And that's increasingly happening as well. There's a lot of pressure. There is. Yeah. So anything else that you can share with us or any tips that you have for women about not drinking during pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is to decide what it is that you're going to say. Um, so you might be in a social environment where you would have normally consumed alcohol. So make a decision on whether you're willing to share with people that you're trying to fall pregnant or not. And if you're not ready to share that, then think about how you create an environment where you're protected from all of those questions. Because unfortunately, we do live in a society where if you're not drinking alcohol, you're asked why. And equally, if you are someone who is hosting an event, make sure you have non-alcoholic drinks available and don't question someone's decision. You know, they may very well be trying for a baby or they might be pregnant and not be ready to tell you. And you don't want to be the person who makes them out that early because that's entirely up to them when they make the decision to share that. So you might decide to let someone with you know, like a partner or a friend, and they can help you in, you know, getting drinks that might um, be disguised in a particular way and be non-alcoholic, or you can both say that you're both on a health kick. There are different strategies that you can employ if you're not ready to tell people. But also, if you are ready to tell people, that's a really positive message. So when I was trying for... Um, my current baby, um, I made the decision to tell people and that was because I wanted to say to people, yeah, we're trying for a baby and actually while we're trying, I'm not drinking any alcohol. Um, but I understand that not everyone is in that position. Mm. Yeah, I, th I, I think I really believe women, the young women today are very courageous and they will stand up and say, um, I'm actually trying to have a baby so I'm not going to drink or um, you know, I'm um, having a healthy month or, you know, God bless dry July, you know, we could make it up for every month. But it's it's just so important because the, you know, the effect on, on babies and, and then parenting and then your relationships, it, it's just lifelong, isn't it? And everyone wants to do what's best. You know, we do make so many changes when we're pregnant. We try and exercise more. We try and eat better. We avoid all those things that you mentioned like soft cheese um, or rock melon or whatever else gets added to the list. 
And so avoiding alcohol as well is is one of those things that we can do, not only for the health of the baby, but also for the health of the mum too. I looked after one woman who was having, she was breastfeeding and having four glasses of wine a day. And she said, is that okay? I said, actually, it's not. You really should stop breastfeeding. You know, it's not, it's not right and it's not good for you or the baby. Yeah, the guidelines as well say that it's safest not to drink while breastfeeding. So what we know with alcohol uh, and breastfeeding is that it takes about two hours for your body to process one standard drink of alcohol. Uh, and often, Kath, a standard drink is less than a glass of wine because a pour is usually much more generous than what a standard drink is. And so if you think about that, that means that that's the length of time that it takes to completely process um, and be free from your blood and free from your breast milk. Uh, and so when people are pla- if people are planning to drink, then they really have to consider that. But that gets complicated because you don't know when your baby might need a feed next. Uh, it takes time to get into that routine. So that's why the advice is that it's safest not to drink any alcohol, especially in those early phases when you're initiating breastfeeding. You know, I, I speak to a lot of pregnant women and, you know, I do a lot of education with pregnant women. And I've always said, just like, it's not worth drinking while you're breastfeeding. You know, it, it, it and, and look, I always, I sound like a real wowser, but it's like, you're best not to drink at all. You know, it's it's not good for you and it's not good for your baby. Yeah, and I think that the most important thing is that we're providing information and advice that's consistent with the best possible available evidence. And this is what that information is. So it may be the first time people are hearing it. So they might go, oh, wait a second, that's not something I've heard before. Or it may be different to the piles of advice that we get from really well-meaning friends and family um, because we all get lots of advice when we're pregnant. Um, Seriously, (laughs) the advice from girlfriends is just like, wow, (laughs) where did they learn that? And everyone has such a different experience. And the thing is that everyone's body processes alcohol so differently. Um, and that's why this advice is is so important around avoiding alcohol altogether. And I think also when you, you go into early parenting and then, you know, if children see you drinking in that early parenting time, it's like, well, that's the norm. And, you know, personally, I've been trying to help women change that norm, you know, in the early part of, you know, the first five, 10, 50, how many years that, that you don't have to survive a day or if you're tired or if you're sad or if anything's happening, you, you don't just re- reach for alcohol, you know. And unfortunately, it has been in our society a bit, I think, you know, I, well, my generation for sure. Yeah, we're pushed messages constantly that the way to cope, the way to get through, you know, alcohol marketing even pushes on people. If you've had a tough day, we saw some terrible ads during COVID that were saying things like, if it's tough homeschooling, then have a drink. All of these terrible messages. When we know that actually alcohol contributes to more anxiety and stress and your kids see. So one of the most important things is that If your children see you drinking as a way to cope with stress or as a way to celebrate or regularly when something bad happens, that's what they notice. They associate that product with that behaviour. 
And you don't really want to be passing those behaviours on. Yeah. It's a, and it's a, you know, it's community-wide, isn't it? Yeah, it's very normalised. Um, and that's why there's a role for the whole community. We shouldn't question when someone's not drinking. We should support people who aren't drinking. And what we're actually seeing, Kath, is some really positive trends among young people. So more young people choosing not to drink um, and more of them choosing to drink less. And that's following them into their 20s. And so we also have to make sure that different generations don't impart any wisdom or thoughts or advice based upon the way that things were when they were growing up because uh, the world is changing. Yeah, Well, it's changed. And, I mean, that even goes from, you know, through pregnancy. You have no idea the things people tell me. I'm like, that doesn't happen anymore, you know. That, that was sort of in the 60s and 70s. We've moved on. Um, and, and exactly what you're saying about the generational process, mm. you've got the mother or the grandmother saying, like, I drank right through your pregnancy so and you're okay. So, you know, it's okay to do it. And maybe we need to, you know, teach um, older people too that um, drinking in pregnancy for their children is not, uh, uh, is not recommended. Yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, the Every Moment Matters campaigns really focuses on women uh, who are pregnant or planning a pregnancy. Um, but as the campaign rolls on, we're also really reaching out to some of the influences in these women's lives. The the grandparents, the aunties and uncles who women go to because they trust. Um, but also as well, Kath, to health professionals. So to make sure that there's consistent information and advice that's being provided from everyone in that woman's network. You know, it must be hard for women who are drinking or who drink a lot in their early um, 20s and then have to stop. Yeah. And Kath, as you've been saying, you know, it's a broader societal and cultural issue. And so throughout our lives, there's marketing from big companies who say you drink when you've had a good day, you drink when you've had a bad day, you drink to celebrate, you drink to commiserate. And then all of a sudden it gets to this point in your life where it's and now you stop drinking. Uh, and that's a huge shift for so many people. So for people who are drinking at really high levels and finding it difficult to stop, it's really important that they chat to a health professional about this so that they can safely withdraw or detox from alcohol. And there's absolutely no shame associated with reaching out for help. There's lots of help out there. Health professionals are really used to chatting to, to women about these things. There are lots of supports available. Uh, and, you know, any moment that you stop drinking means that there's there's an opportunity for a healthy pregnancy from that point on. And so that's really important. Because we've, we've got the message through quite well about smoking, mm. but it hasn't been that vocal about alcohol, has it? No, it hasn't. We're, we're starting to see now. So the, the government's just regulated a, a pregnancy health warning that'll be quite visible, that'll be on all the alcohol products. Uh, we've got clear guidelines. There's this awareness campaign. Um, but it's taken lots of people many, many years to advocate for these things. Uh, and that's for many reasons. It's because of the normalisation of alcohol. It's because of the lobbying of large alcohol companies to try and prevent this information from getting out there. Uh, and so it's great to see now this, this desire from the community and, you know, from families of children with FASD or people with FASD 
you know, coming to fruition. It's really lovely speaking to people with Fuzzy and their families and hearing from them how pleased they are to see this message out there and to see it communicated in the way that it is. So what about in, you know, obstetric hospitals and, you know, um, obstetricians and through midwives? Do you, you know, have communication and, and, yeah, and do campaigns with them, yeah? Yeah, so as part of this campaign, we've got the advertising that you might have seen on TV or online. We're also working with health professional bodies and health professionals to provide uh, fact sheets, resources, ways to ask questions about alcohol and pregnancy. And we're working with different organisations to reach uh, different groups of people like National Aboriginal Controlled Health Organisations um, and organisations reaching women who, who might be alcohol dependent. So it really has all of these different components so that we can be trying to reach people at as many different points as possible to communicate this message. Because alcohol is, it's different to smoking at some level because when you're smoking, you've got the cigarette in your hand and, you know, you can see and smell it. But, you know, women could drink, you know, indoors. And I have seen such an incredible decrease in smoking that I think last year I I, I looked after one lady and she was smoking. And it really took me by surprise that someone who was having a baby was smoking. Because, you know, it's not common for women to smoke, but the drinking is, you know. Yeah, because those messages have been around for so long now, Kath, those really clear, consistent messages. But it's actually not long ago uh, when smoking was a lot more common uh, during pregnancy. So I I, I don't know if I've told Beth this before, but um, when I started nursing, there were ashtrays in, in hospitals. I mean... I, it makes me sound like I'm a dinosaur, but I can remember people smoking in wards and, you know, having ashtrays. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't blow the whole hospitals up with oxygen and all that sort of thing. And see, that sounds so shocking to us now. Uh, and so it, through these different measures, through having the warning labels, through having the awareness campaign, through having the conversations like we're having today, Kath, and through each of us then becoming advocates for this out in the community, it will become normalised and, you know, women will feel very supported to avoid alcohol during pregnancy. Um, I know when I put something up on Instagram, you know, something different, um, there's always um, some group will say, well, I smoked during my pregnancy and my baby's okay or I drank during my pregnancy and my baby's okay, but that's just not the point, is it? You know, it's about... You know, we want when we talk about risk, this is what we're always talking about when we're talking about health. Uh, and we all know about this now as we live in the times that we live in, but there are behaviors that increase the risk of negative potential negative outcomes. And so if you're armed with information that that tells you that there's this potential for risk, then there is a way to avoid that risk altogether. Um, and so if you if you want to do the best that you can for the health of you and your baby, then we know that you eliminate all risk of FASD if there's no alcohol. And that's what it's about. There can be these outlier stories. There can be these individual circumstances. You'll always hear, uh, my grandfather smoked until he was 100 and he was fine. But very few people then give you the counter of, you know, and there are also lots of people who are harmed by these things as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to spread the word 
And I don't drink myself. And, you know, I used to when I was younger, like in nursing, but I just, it just becomes um, an issue with, you know, a social issue, um, you know, and, and your friendship group becomes a pressure that like, why aren't you drinking? Or, you know, come on, just have one. And it really is difficult. And I think helping women um, with this information and that they can say, no, we know the evidence is saying that um, it, it, is, it is harmful. Yeah, there's lots of support. And if we can all provide that supportive environment and, and you know, Kath, lots of, there are lots more people choosing not to drink for all of the reasons that you've mentioned. And because they just say, I just feel better. I have more energy. I can sleep better. I feel less anxious. Um, and so we've got to be communicating some of those messages a bit more as well. Well, it's, it's fascinating as ever. And we've got a great world now. We've got a lot of communication Um, We've got women who are listening, partners who are listening and will take on um, the advice and the responsibility to say, nope, not doing it. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Listener.